This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. We know that uh, tomorrow, tonight into tomorrow is Hoshana Rabba. If you look at Emes Liyakov, if Yaakov Kamenetsky parashas Emor has a fascinating piece where he quotes from my Rebbe of Kalman Epstein who asked him once, B'Shem HaChacham Echad, Legend has it that the Chacham Echad is the other Rosh Yeshiva in the Yeshiva, Shalom Spitz, that he asked, he asked Kalman to ask Rebbe Yaakov the following question. He asked Rebbe Yaakov, you know, it's a little strange. If you look in Bavli, you look in Yushalmi, there's cannot no mention that Hashanah Rabbah is a thing. There's no mention. It doesn't talk about Hashanah Rabbah. The first mention of Hashanah Rabbah is in the Go'inim. They make a whole big deal. Hashanah Rabbah, it's the Gemar, it's the Chasima, it's like Yom Kippur. But not in Bavli, not in Yushalmi, to have no mention of, of Hashanah Rabbah. Very strange. This was the Kasha he asked. Doesn't the talk about the seventh day? It talk, Right, it talks about the fact that they went and did the Chavita Sarova, but it doesn't say anything that, that it's the Gemar and it's like Yom Kippur and you're supposed to stay up at night and you're supposed to have a suit and none of that's mentioned anyway. It's all later. So it's a shtickle strange that such a big day has very little mention in the standard swarm that we look at. This was the cash they asked to Yaakov Kamenetsky. And Yaakov Kamenetsky gave the following answer. Yaakov said, Yaakov said, you have to understand. He said, it depends what time in the world you live in. Meaning, Yaakov explained that, the, that in the times of the Gemara and the times of the Yushalmi, the Pasha, they were afraid. If you're going to tell people that Hashanah Rabbah is such a big day, it will take away from people's Simchas Yamtif. It will deter, it will ruin Simchas Yamtif. You won't be able to enjoy Chalamoid, you won't be able to enjoy the last couple of moments of, of Sukkot, because you're going to be so stressed about the Gemara Din. So Yaakov writes. And therefore they kind of left it a little vague and they didn't tell anyone. But later on, when people didn't take it so seriously anyways, where people didn't have such a sensitivity to worrying about the Yom Adin, people were able to have Simcha without it. So then in the times of the Goyim, it became very popular to elaborate and to express and to be mafar saying what exactly Hashanah Rabbi. That was Yaakov's answer to the Kasha. But it's, uh, it's something to think about. It's such a big day, Hashanah Rabbi, yet there's very little mention in it before the times of the Goyim. How did it get its name, Hoshana Rabbah? Well, the simple answer is because it has many Hoshanas. You take a lot of Hoshanas on this day, and therefore it's the Hoshana Rabbah. Mr. Brewer already explained that the reason why it has similarities to Yom Kippur is because it's the Gemara, it's the close. Sukkot closes with Hoshana Rabbah, and at the close, and since Sukkot were Nidan Alamayim, the whole world goes round with water, so it's the Gemara, HaChasimah, that's why it has a mix a little bit, some halachas, some minhagim, some practices that we find on Yom Kippur. It's interesting that Mr. Brew brings down a practice that he's supposed to stay up the whole night tonight of Hashanah Rab. Not so common, not so popular, right? It's, a, it's funny, because the same Mr. Brew brings down to stay up Lel Shvuis that everyone does. Yeah, when the Mr. Brew brings down to stay up Lel Hashanah Rab, not so many people do. Okay, so it goes. But in any case, it's interesting, you don't find the practice to stay up a whole night in Yom Kippur night learning. You don't find that that's a thing. But yet, when it comes to Hashanah Rabbah, Mr. Brewer brings down from the Magen Avram. There's a practice to stay up a whole night tonight learning. Okay. So some people, what they do is, is there became a practice called Mishnah Torah. What's Mishnah Torah? So Mishnah Torah was the practice that's really an offshoot a little bit. Since you're supposed to stay up a whole night learning, but I think, in my humble opinion, not everyone can learn a whole night. So they decided to learn specific chapters, certain parts of the Torah. And they chose Sefer Devar. Why did they choose Sefer Devar? So the Rechashochan explains that Sefer Devar teaches you Ahavas Hashem, the Yiras Hashem. If you want to know where to learn, Havas Hashem, Yerush Hashem, it's in Sefer Devar. So writes the Aruch Hashochem. 
Yaakov Emden says the practice was copied from Hakel. When the Melech used to read on Matzei Shviyas, uh, he used to read the part of the Torah he used to read was Sefer Dvar. So that's the practice known as Mishnah Torah. Again, technically you can learn any part of Torah tonight, but there's a minog in Klai Yisrael to learn Mishnah Torah. In the original minog, there was a question of how to do this. So if you look in some of the different groups of Klai Yisrael, many groups, even at Yemaz, do not read it in a public setting. They read it in their own home. They read it in their own sukkah. Many Hasidic courts do that even at Yemaz. Rabbi Yashiv, the stipler, all these good never read it in a public setting in shul. They read it in their sukkah, where they learned everything else. They did it in their sukkah. But in the Devrei Chaim, the Sanzi Rebbe, the Menachas HaLuzer, and others, Karlin Stalin, Karlin was one of the early Hasidic groups. The Karlin Hasidim also started doing it B'tzibur, so they also do it B'tzibur. But again, in not all groups was it always Nisakin to do B'tzibur. And there's a little bit of a problem when you do B'tzibur because you run into a Shiloh. The Yushalmi holds that when you read the Torah B'tzibur, even if it's not at one of the given times where you're supposed to read, you have to make a bracha like you would on a regular Kriya Satayr. Bracha before and a bracha after. The Bavli disagrees. So the Nitziv felt that since we don't, even though we don't paskin like the Yushalmi, but it's not a good idea to ever read the Torah B'tzibur Shaloi B'zmanam at a time that's not uh, supposed to be. That's why many people, but Dafka don't want to do Mishnah Torah B'tzibur. Because if you do Mishnah Torah B'tzibur, you're going to run into a Shailah of having to make a bracha. So here we don't have a problem. We don't get a minion for Mishnah Torah. So it's not... They don't use the Sefer Torah. This way we don't run into any problems of this question. So we're Machbid here. We Badafka don't have a minion for Mishnah Torah. This way we don't run into that Shailah. Okay. So we only have nine people. If you, if you try to have a tenth guy, we kick you out because we're Choshish for this Chum. But in any case, many shuls have Taka a minion and they don't make a bracha because we don't really paskin like the Yushalmi. It's interesting, if you look at many Farshan, they write that there's a big need to say Tehillim tonight. On top of saying Mishnah Torah, you should also try to say Tehillim. So if you look at many of the Gedolim, the stipple they used to say, have to, they do Mishnah Torah, and then after that, they'd go on to say Tehillim. is a popular thing to recite Tehillim. Tomorrow is one of the days where you're supposed to wake up early to daven. There's a whole list of five days of the year where you're supposed to get up early. So tomorrow is one of those days you're supposed to get up early to daven on Eshan Rabbah. Six or five, six times early enough also. <laughs> Again, my only concern is to catch the nates. That's my only issue. I don't mind davening early. I just want to make sure we get the, the lul of that nates. It's interesting, there's many people have a practice to wear a kittel. So here, it's funny. Some people have a minute where everyone in the shul wears a kittel. Some people have a minute only those people that are doing important roles, like the baltfila, the balkaire, wears a kittel. Huh? It's so, so different in Hagen, different places of who exactly wears the kit. But again, goes back to trying to be like Yom Kippur. That's why some people have such such a practice. There's a question: What to do when your arabas are finished after you clapped arabas and you showed everyone how strong you are? Uh, this is a, everyone has to show how strong they are. How many arabas they can knock off? You're supposed to show how strong you are. Okay, fine, good. I guess better take your energy out on that than on other people. But in any case, what do you do after the arabas after you finish clapping them? So every many people have minute, they throw it on top of the Aron Kodesh. It's not a dumping ground. So uh, the Pashat Pshat in the Minig is because everyone's afraid. If you're going to leave it somewhere else, it's going to get trampled on. People are going to step on it. They're going to throw it in the garbage. It's going to be Mavuzit. So if you put it on top of the Aron Kodesh, no one can get to it. It's safe. So for that matter, you could put it on top of that uh, bookshelf also. No one can get to it. Okay. Some people have a practice that in the Mizbeach, they used to throw it on top of the Mizbeach. So that's why we do it. Others say, what are you talking about? Why are you putting garbage on top of the earth? Not garbage, why are you dirtying the Kodesh? So many people have a practice, they keep it and they save it till uh, Pesach. And they burn it with uh, Chometz on Air Pesach. Chabad has an interesting meaning, they leave it on their seat. 
I'm not sure why. But when they leave Hashanah, they leave the Hashanah on the seat. I hope they take it off before Shemina Terrace because it's going to be Muktzah. They come the, uh, the next night, they come the following day. That night they're going to come and they're going to have nowhere to sit. But the many people... What are you going to do with it? What use it for? Smell it? I don't know. I don't think it doesn't, doesn't have much of a smell. Okay, it doesn't have a smell. Okay, doesn't have a smell. You're not going to do it. Look at it, whatever. Are you, what are you it whatever. I don't know. I'm not sure. I would assume it doesn't have too much of a purpose. But uh, some people have a minute, they bring it home and they keep it in their house. It's a shmira. Some people, you go into the house, they have a shanas hanging over different... Uh, some people have it over their bed. Some people have it in their bedroom. Okay. Some people take the shanas. But the pash, this is meikar adin. You can throw it in the garbage. You can just wrap it nicely and put it in a garbage bag and you can throw it in the garbage. Some people have a practice to eat a Sudan at Shana Rabbu. Where does that come from? So the earliest that I could find actually comes from Frankfurt. Noi Katsan Yosef, he brings down such a practice. To be marbe ba'achila. It doesn't say that a Sudan, he says to marbe ba'achila on a Shana Rabbu. Why would you marbe ba'achila? To show that we're so confident that we ended off the Gemar dinner on a good note, we're going to have a Sudan. So there are Chashulchan in one place writes that it uh, doesn't say anywhere to have a Suda. It only says it's a day to be marbe betfila. And then in another place he says, well, we got a problem. Because Allah is, you're not allowed to have big Sudas or abnormal Sudas on Erev Shabbos or Erev Yomtev. So if I'm going to have a big Hashanah Rabba Suda tomorrow, I'm not going to have an appetite to eat the Suda Shminat Saras night. So therefore he writes, you should be careful with what you eat. Don't, uh, don't fill up too much. Some people, it's a, that's a halach. You're not allowed to eat the Suda too late in the day. You can't eat it after Mincha or Kitana. And Chaktana tomorrow is about 4.11. So sure if you're going to have a Hashanah Rabbah Suda, make sure you have it earlier in the morning. And make sure you don't fill up. This way you can have energy to have a Suda tomorrow night by Shmini Hatzeres. Anti-Kreplach, Avada, that you have to do. Some people have a minug to blow Shoifer Bein the Hashanahs. That's a question where that minug comes from. So uh, different prep communities do it. Some people do, some people don't. They quote that in Mezhibuz that wasn't the practice, but some people have such a minug. There's uh, another question, do you duchen on Hishana Rabbah? So in, I have this pamphlet that in Tarvadas, the practice is they duchen on Hishana Rabbah, but I saw in, in other Hasidic courts, Zidichayv and others, they talk do not duchen on Hishana Rabbah. Believe that over the second days, I want to talk a little bit more about duchen, and we'll come to, uh, we'll talk about that as well. One of, one of the interesting things about Hishana Rabbah is something that I want to talk about more in the second days, but I want to discuss over the second days, for those of us that will be joining us, we're going to discuss how certain minhagim became became A, and how they changed halacha because of mistakes or errors. And one of those might be the minute that many people have today. If a woman is pregnant, so she bites the pitum of the esrug on Hashanah Rab. Where does such a minute come from? So some people say it's a mistake. It came from another thing. It, there's really no source for it, which maybe we'll talk about. But that problem I don't have is the fact that you want to do something strange. The problem is it's halachically questionable. Shokhanach Paskin is that the esrug is muktza, it has kedusha, the whole, the whole, whole shmini atzeris. Can't eat the esrog. The early time you can eat your esrog is some chastayr. So the achreinim will say, so what gave the woman the right to make uh, to eat the esrog to make the esrog puzzle? It's still bikdushase. So Chaim Kineski said, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. It's Rabbeinu B'chayy and Chumish says you're allowed. You're supposed to do it. Okay. Why? It's ready. To, it's over. The Shulchan Aruch says. Shulchan Aruch says after after the day after the Shemini Atzeres after Hashanah Rabba. Can you Shemini Atzeres after it's hooked to the mitzvah? So you're done with the mitzvah. You can eat it. You can't be mavazit maybe. So the question is, where did this minute come from? So, right, but it's definitely not has katsoi. Right, but shmina atzeres for sure. There's no no usage of the little. You don't use the esrog. So on a shana rabba, you can. Right. No, but it's, it's saying once a shana rabba is over, you're done with the esrog. 
We gotta have to talk about, maybe we'll get to it the second days. Why Taka we don't shake Lulav and Esrig on Shmini Atzeris? The same way you sit in the sukkah, Al Safik, you should also have to shake Lulav, okay? Taisus talks about this in the sukkah. But in any case, this is a very common practice. You speak to people. Where did it come from? Just basic, simple understanding is because there's a Shita in the Gemara that what was the Eitzadas? Eitzadas was the Esrig. And since the difficulties in childbirth and all, the, all that it comes with is a klala for the yetzadas, so if you take a bite out of the pitam, somehow that uh, fixes the problem. So I still want to say if they ask, what happens if you buy a pitamless esrig? What do you do then? So you say, bite the area where the pitam should be. Okay, that's how you make kaim the minute. Now, it, if you look clearly where the original place of this minute was the uh, late 1700s, he doesn't just say bite the pitam. He doesn't say bite the pitam. He says, take the pitam off. And then he says, give tzedakah. And then he says, you should daven. And a lot of people don't do the second half of that. They just bite the esrig off and, you know, they think they ate something. But there is such a practice brought down that people do this on Hashanah Rabbah, but it's questionable how do you get around the problem of that the esrig is still considered hoksel mitzvah. It's interesting, in different prints of Mata Ephraim, some of them have this minig and some of them don't have the minig. In the 1920 print of the Mata Ephraim, he has the minig, but in the 1842 and the 1923 print, they don't have it. So you go figure that out, why in some prints it made it, and other prints it didn't make it. But in any case, that's another thing that's misyachis, that's connected to a Shana But we'll have to see where this minig really came from, as well as some other minhagim and printing in the Sidurim that became halacha, and perhaps they're really nothing more than mistakes, or printers' decision-making, which not always is accepted or was previously practiced in halacha. Okay.